God bless you. It's Apostle Anthony Wilson, and I'm so excited this week to get into a powerful, powerful study. I promised you that we're going to talk about the word prophecy and the purpose, the word prophecy and the purpose. In this season, we have to understand that all prophecy has to be tested. It has to stand up to inquiry. It has to be investigated. It has to be looked at very, very carefully because of the times and the seasons that we're in. And it all goes back to the word, which is God's will and understanding the purpose for prophecy. Why do we still have it? Because some say there is no need for prophecy anymore because we have the Bible. But we're going to find out today why we still have prophecy and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to treat it. Uh, so get ready for the word prophecy and the purpose on Love Thy Neighbor today. God bless you. Welcome to Love Thy Neighbor. We are going to dive into uh, our powerful study, uh, the word uh, prophecy and the purpose uh, we've been talking about over a few weeks. Uh, it's actually been a few weeks since I posted, but I did that on purpose. I was on um, two other uh, powerful podcasts uh, that you need to go check out. Check out Fatherhood Fridays. Uh, we spoke on Fatherhood Fridays with uh, Chalmer Williams about uh, what the Lord is saying uh, in this season. Uh, and then we got to uh, speak on Transparent Tuesdays with my my friend Willie G. Berry. Yeah. So go check out those podcasts uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks. I've uh, been visiting with some friends and uh, God has blessed us to fellowship over the podcast. But I'm back and uh, ready to dive into uh, just a powerful discussion, the word prophecy and the purpose. And so just to give you a little bit of the backdrop of this, uh, I've been really, really studying uh, in this season and trying to uh, execute the assignment that God has given me for 2020 so to, to separate the truth of God uh, from the era of men. And what that means is that going that, that we have to go back to scripture and read scripture again, even the verses of scripture that we think we know, and we have to re-examine them. And how do we re-examine them? Well, number one, we've got to uh, find out who the author is and who the author is writing to uh, before we try to apply it to our own lives. Then we've got to figure out the circumstances that cause this author to write or say what it is that they are writing or saying, um, because that helps us to understand what was happening then and there before we try to apply it to here and now. There are thousands of passages in the Bible that do not directly apply to our lives today. And so we have to have a revelation and an understanding of what it was that was meant then and there so that we can understand what it means to us here and now. Uh, we know that uh, it's a word for us because the word of God is living and active, right? Uh, that which that means that it's continuous. 
It speaks back then, it speaks now, and it will speak in the future. And so we have to wrestle with the passages in the Bible until we understand what was the intention of the author? What was the author's perspective and point of view? What was God trying to say to the people that he was saying it to in the time that it was being said uh, so that we can understand, does it apply to the time that we live in and how does it apply? There are so many people that are quoting scriptures and saying, thus saith the Lord for right now, and it doesn't apply to right now. As a matter of fact, they're trying to quote it um, in its original form. They're not even trying. They're not even trying to understand how that would fit in our 21st century world. Uh, they're quoting passages that um, targeted Israel or targeted Assyria or targeted Babylon, or uh, and and they're saying, "Oh, that's America today," but that's not. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if you do that then you run the risk of taking anything in the Bible and using it for whatever you want to use it for. You can go to any passage and just say, okay, God is saying this right now. But if that's not what he was saying, then he can't be saying that now. It cannot mean what it never meant. And so uh, we have been taking time as a church been taking time as a people and going back to verses of scripture that we have read before and we're reading them again with new eyes, with fresh eyes and saying, what is the original context? Who is the author talking to? What, what brought about this reason for saying this? Um, what are the circumstances that are going on? What is really happening? Because does that really apply to us? And so when we talk about the word, the word of God uh, is God breathed, right? It comes right from God. It is not something that we can twist or manipulate or turn for our own use, no matter what extreme. Today, there's a lot of extremes, right? There's some people that are extremely against something and there's somebody else that's extremely for it. And the Bible is not extremely against or extremely for anything. The Bible is about God's will. And God's will has to be something that we seek after to understand because so often we're using the Bible to say things that are outside of God's will and that's why we have people quoting scriptures and it seems like that scripture contradicts other scriptures so let's start with this prophecy must be tested by the word right the content of the word the context of the word and the character of the word. So prophecy must be tested by the word. The content of the word, the context of the word, and the character of the word. And you say, well, uh, what makes you think prophecy should be tested? Well, scripture says it. And I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified Classic Bible because it breaks it down uh, so well. And we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, verses 20, well, I'll start at verse 19 through 21. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. Listen to what it says. Do not quench. This means suppress or subdue the spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, right? Do not quench 
suppress or subdue. Um, if you look at that Greek word quench even further, it means to extinguish. Hmm. Do not extinguish, quench, subdue, suppress the spirit of God. And it goes on to say, do not despise prophecy. The Amplified says, do not spurn the gifts and the utterance of prophecy. Do not depreciate prophetic revelation, nor despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning. So in other words, don't spurn the gifts, right? And the utterance of prophets. And do not depreciate the prophetic revelations nor despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning. But here's what you should do. But test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good. To that, then hold fast to it. So you want to test all things. Let me read you something from Revelation uh, chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, this is the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus, the Lord Jesus is speaking to the church of Ephesus through uh, John, the apostle. And this is verse 2. He says, I know your works. I know your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who uh, do evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. Now, I want you to understand what does it mean to test? What does it mean to test? Well, when you look at the Bible, it means clearly to inquire, to investigate. It means to scrutinize. I want you to see uh, what it looks like in action. The Pharisees and the Sadducees did it to Jesus all the time. They did it to Jesus all the time. Now watch this in uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 and 35. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, Jesus had been going back and forth with the Sadducees. He finally answered in such a way that it silenced them. You know what he did? He passed the test. They were testing him and he passed the test because his wisdom was so powerful. His answers were so correct. The things that he said silenced them. Okay. And so they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, so how do you test how do you test somebody? How do you test their words? How do you test their uh, pr prophetic words? How do you test their revelation? How do you test their interpretation of the Bible? You have to ask questions. If you're not asking questions, then you could be deceived. Now, I know this is new for people because growing up in the church, you don't ask a prophet any questions about their prophecy because they're speaking for the Lord. But the Bible is clear that you test everything. I don't care what it is. I don't care what they say. Uh, my favorite group of people in the Bible, the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. The Apostle Paul is, is, is probably the most uh, 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 effective preacher of his time. 
He's going through every town and every city and he's preaching Christ all over the place. But he gets to a place called Berea in Acts chapter 17. Uh, Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 10, it says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, right? They despised not prophecy. They despised not the word. They didn't spurn it. They didn't reject it. They didn't quench it. They didn't say no to it. They didn't despise it. They received it readily and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Whenever somebody brings a teaching, you go to the word and you search. Whenever somebody speaks out something that is prophetic or revelation, you ask questions. I'm trying to help you so you don't get duped, hoodwinked, bamboozled, deceived, run them up. The wool pulled over your eyes. This is what's going on. A lot of times somebody will say something. You'll hear somebody on YouTube or Facebook or, or, or on Twitter or, or, or on Instagram. And it looks good and it sounds good. But you don't, you can't ask them any questions. And, and you're afraid of confrontation. Because you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that girl. You don't want to be that person that's stirring up trouble. That's stirring up fights. That's causing issues and so you'll just stay quiet knowing that something sounds off something doesn't sound right something doesn't really jive with what you know the word says and you're not willing to ask questions and sometimes when you do ask questions you're, you're, you're not asking the right questions because you're not asking to test this prophecy test this revelation test this teaching you don't accept everybody's teaching Everybody should be under a microscope. Even what I'm saying right now, you got to go back and look at it. Like, did they, did they really go and look up what Paul was saying to make sure that what Paul was saying is true? Yes. Read it. Acts chapter 17, verses 10, uh, 10 and 11. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses 19 through 21. Go back and check it out. Revelations chapter two. Verses 1 through 3. Check it out. It is important, especially right now. Especially right now. Because there's so many people throwing things out there. There's so many people who say they have a word from the Lord. But at the end of the day, they could be speaking from their own hearts. They could be uh, giving you false visions and divinations. Worthless things speaking out of deceit of their own heart and you've got to be careful because there are many many people prophesying things from their own heart you don't think people will prophesy from their own heart uh here's an example in jeremiah chapter 14 i gave you this a couple of weeks ago but we'll go there again just so you understand that in jeremiah chapter 14 and verse 14, it says, And the Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, 
commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesied to you false visions, divination, and worthless things, and the deceit of their own heart. Why are you looking at this? Because, listen, people will prophesy according to what they want. They will prophesy according to what they believe to be right. And they will go against the word of God. They will run right up against scripture and not even realize that they're contradicting scripture with a prophetic word and and feel like they're saying something from God. Most of the time, it's prosperity gospel. Most of the time, it's you got a new house on the way. <laughs> Most of the time, it's things like that because because they they know that you'll accept that. They know that you'll accept that. In a season like this, you got to be careful because there are people prophesying that oh, Corona be over in this amount of time and that amount of time, and they're preaching whole series about after this and what's going to happen next. And I don't know if they have a word from the Lord, but test it. Whatever they're saying, test it. And if it cannot be tested, then you know it can't be from God. Because God's not going to say something that is so off from his word that there's no way to test it. Now, here's where I want to get to. Here's where I want to get to. Um, in order to really test, in order to really be able to break down what it is that's being spoken you have to understand that prophecy must be in accordance with God's will God's will now when you do a study on God's will God's will breaks down to a few simple things God's determined outcome, God's predestined desire, but most importantly, God's purpose to bless mankind through Jesus Christ. God's will is always going to bring us back to salvation in Christ God's kingdom coming and God's desire for man to be with him in eternity. Okay? A lot of times when you hear prophetic words, they have nothing to do with God's will and they have everything to do with man's will. And so we have to be so careful about what we're hearing and what the intentions are and why people are saying the things that they're saying sometimes they're saying good things and so you you let it go because it sounds good doesn't sound like that's a bad thing it doesn't sound like it's going to hurt anybody but is it in accordance with God's will is it somehow going to bring about salvation is it going to bring about entrance into God's kingdom? Is it going to bring about God's desire 
for mankind to be with him. So often, most prophecy is about the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Then there's some prophecy that will even take God's word and use it to say what a person wants to say about a very specific situation. I think sometimes the most dangerous people are the people who know enough Bible to be able to manipulate the Bible for their own personal purpose in a certain situation. A person who can manipulate the Bible in prophesying somebody's marriage. Like, oh, well, uh, the, the, the Bible says that the marriage bed is undefiled or, or the Bible says um, that, that, that God is for marriage and so marry this person. Well, I got to understand what is God's will for my life? What is it that he's been calling me to do? What's the track that he has me on? Because the track that he has me on, if there's a person that I'm supposed to marry, we're supposed to be able to go on that track together and accomplish the goal that God has for us. Because marriage, and I say this so often and I sound like a broken record, marriage is first about God's purpose and second about our pleasure. So pleasure is secondary. God's purpose is primary. And see, that's how our lives should be lived. We should always look to fulfill God's purpose first. And then pleasure is secondary. Now watch this. I use the Amplified again for this particular passage because I want you to get the, the, the fullness of this. Um, Colossians chapter 1. <laughs> Been reading this all week. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul praying for the saints at Colossae. And here's what he prays. He says, for this reason, uh, we also, from the day that we heard it, have not ceased to pray and make a special request for you, asking, now here it comes, that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will, in all wisdom, in all spiritual wisdom, sorry, in comprehensive insight into the ways and the purposes of God, in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. Now listen, here's, the, here's, here's what he's asking, that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom. And here's what he means by spiritual wisdom. In, compre uh, in comprehensive insight into the ways and the purposes of God. And in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. Here's where we fall short. The full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will. We ought to be seeking God's will. There are certain things that people say that if you weigh it against what you know about God's will, then automatically you say, that's not God's will. Scripture contradicts that because we know God's will. If somebody's saying, oh, well, God is going to condemn that person to hell. 
Well, what did they do? Well, they were disrespectful to me and I'm a prophet or I'm a pastor. And if you come up against prophets and pastors, you could be condemned to hell. No, go to your word. The Bible says that he's not willing for anyone to perish. God desires for all. He wants that person to repent. He doesn't want that person to be punished. And so that prophetic word is somebody exacting their vengeance on someone. Actually, it's not vengeance. It's revenge. Because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And so we've got to be so careful that we're not allowing people to use apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher as a bludgeon to say things out of context, um, out of character, manipulating the content of the word in order to discharge their own displeasure or get their own things done. I listen to people all the time and some of the things that they're saying, you're listening, you're saying that's not in the word. That's not word. And you're listening to thousands and you're watching thousands of people say amen without questioning it at all. They don't say anything. Like, amen. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, 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 oh. There's no oh, oh, oh. Get to your word. Open up the Bible. Does that actually make sense in accordance with God's will? Because God's will is his word. God's will is his desired outcome. God's will is his predetermined, predestined outcome. God's will is how uh, he brings people to salvation in Christ. His word is his will and his will is found in his word. And so we have to be people who do what Paul told Timothy to do and be diligent to be diligent to study, to show ourselves approved to God. Workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm begging you in this hour. Start testing. Start testing these things. Go back to some of the things that you thought you knew. I guarantee you're going to find out that some of this stuff, you regurgitated what somebody else said. Some of this stuff, you just went along with the status quo. I had to, I had, I had to turn from a lot of things. I had to turn from a lot of things because there's a lot of church cliche stuff that we just say. Like I hear people, all this stuff coming against the spirit of religion. Like, where's the spirit of religion in your Bible? When I read about religion in my Bible, I see empty religion and I see true religion that is approved by God. But yet people keep using the term religion as if there's only one one kind of religion and it's all bad. And so they they have no idea that there is a religion that is approved by God. That God accepts. Oh wow, I just said something and somebody listening to me is like, what? Religion? I don't like religion. Well, listen to what James says about religion. In James chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 26 and 27. Because you got to hear both kinds of religion and they're both here in James. First of all, if anyone among you thinks that he is religious... 
If there is anyone among you that thinks that he's religious, this particular word, if anybody thinks that he is spiritual or devout unto God, if he is a, if some, anybody thinks that he's a worshiper of God and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, that sounds like these false prophets, right? These false apostles, these people that are just saying stuff, but they're deceived by their own heart. They're saying things out of the deceit of their own heart. He says, this one's religion is useless. This one's religion is useless, useless. And what this means is this person's worship unto God, his sacrifice unto God, his offering, his devotion unto God is worthless. But verse 27 says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, okay, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. All of us should be practicing that type of religion. We shouldn't be just saying, I sense a religious spirit, because what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But see, we go along with the fads and we go along with what people just put out there and nobody goes back to the Bible. When I went back to the Bible, because I kept hearing people saying spirit of religion and, and you know, uh, this religious demon and, you know, we don't want to get caught up in religion. And I went back to the Bible and I only found three, pla three, pa three places where there was the term religion in the Bible. And when I came across this particular place, right i realized that these people have never read this or they're reading a translation that takes out the word religion and puts maybe worship or devotion in there so that it's not actually saying the word for word translation they're capturing a thought for thought or they're reading a paraphrase and those are different styles of translating the bible but this particular term pure and undefiled worship or devotion to God is religion. People, I used to say, oh, I'm not religious. So I'm telling people that I don't care about the orphans and the widows in their trouble. And I'm definitely not going to keep myself unspotted from the world. That's what I'm saying when I say I'm not religious. Now you say, well, that's not what you're really saying. <laughs> that's not what you're really saying really when you're saying you're not religious you're talking about verse 26 well then say that their religion is useless don't say they're being religious and they, and I know scholarly people people who have studied the word still use these uh, jargons and these cliche terms another term people throw around this term I repent nor in the Bible does it say for you to go and say to God, I repent. No, the Bible says you should repent. Repent is a verb. Repent is something that you do. Acts chapter 2 and uh, verse, uh, verse 38. I believe it's 20, uh, uh, 37 through 38. Here's what he says. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter said to the rest of the men and the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter tells them in verse 38, he said to them, repent. He didn't say, say I repent. He said, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3. Verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Most people are calling the sorrow repentance. Instead of saying, Lord, forgive me. They're saying, I repent. And by saying, I repent and not repenting. You're actually telling God something that is untrue. So it's better to say, Lord, forgive me for my sin and then repent. Because here's what repent means. Repent means to change your heart, to change your thinking. And this leads to a change of your behavior. So when you're truly sorry, you change you're thinking about something or you change what you believe about something or you change how you're behaving. It's not something that we say, but we won't go back to the Bible and read it again and read it again. And so there's so many things that are being prophesied. There are so many things that are being taught, but people won't go back to the Bible and actually read it. I challenge you, take your favorite verses, go back to the Bible, read them in context. Number one, ask, your, ask, ask yourself, what is the writer trying to say here? Number one, because that's letting the writer speak for themselves. It's letting the Bible speak for themselves. Number two, who is this person and who are they talking to? Right? Number three, what is the circumstances that brought this particular passage or scripture about? Number four, read the entire context. Number five, then ask, does this apply to me? Don't apply it to you. Ask, does it apply to you? Because the situation that you're in, it may not apply. That's what makes people think, well, the Bible doesn't have answers for everything in my life. No, the Bible does have the answers for everything in your life. The word of God is sufficient. You just have to be willing to read it in context, to not try to manipulate the content and to let God's character shine forth so that you can apply scripture in the right context to the right situations. A couple of weeks ago in our Bible study uh, teacher's training, 
I'm going to close with this. We talked about first, uh, second Timothy, uh, chapter one and verse seven. And I know if you've never heard me say this before, you're going to have to hang on. And I, I tell you, go back and read it. Go back and read it. I, I, I know it's going to be a shock to your system when I say this to you. But second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, and we quote it all the time. For God has not given us the spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I posed to the class. I gave them two scenarios. That's the first scenario. I said, hey, you're going to the hospital. You're kind of uh, nervous about what the doctor's going to say. Should I go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 and read this? as an encouragement to myself and tell myself that God has not given me a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind. Does that apply? That's scenario one. Scenario two, you're getting ready to preach the word. You're getting ready to share the word of God with someone and you're nervous. As a matter of fact, you don't even want to do it. You're, 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 you're shaking in your boots. Can I say to you that God is not giving you the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind? And most people said, oh, you can use that verse for either one. Here's the shock. No, you can't. There is a context that this verse is being written in. And the context is Paul talking to Timothy and encouraging him not to walk in fear because of the opposition that they are facing in preaching the word of God. And you say, well, wait a minute. Can't we just take the principle and use that principle? Here's what happens when you just take a principle from a passage of scripture and use the principle. What you do is now you make it okay to do that everywhere in the Bible. That it doesn't matter what the writer was talking about. Here's the real problem with that. If Paul was actually talking about preaching the word and you took his words and said, look, I'm going to use this for whatever I want. Anytime I'm afraid, I'm going to use this. Then what you're saying is that context doesn't matter. The, the reason why it was written doesn't matter. The way that this person intended it to be used doesn't matter. Now, what if somebody did that to your words? What if you said something and somebody just took your words out of context and just said, well, this person believes this. And you're saying, that's not even the way I said that. How come we can defend that? But the scriptures are not allowed to defend themselves with their context. This is how so many false doctrines, false teachings, false interpretations, false prophetic words, even false religions have been born. If somebody took a verse out of its context, disregarded the intention of the writer, the, the, the circumstances that they were writing about and what it was uh, that, that the context was telling us about the verse and they just used it for whatever. If you're going to preach the gospel, 
then that verse is for you. You can say, just like Paul told Timothy, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me, his prisoner, but be joined to me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. This is why he's telling them not to be afraid because he's getting ready to suffer for the gospel. He's not telling them not to be afraid because they're going to the doctor and it's going to be a bad report. Or you're getting ready to try out for the basketball team and, and you don't think you're going to make it. Or you just put in an application and you're nervous about the application. That's not that, that that's degrading the power of the word of God. There is an, there there are other scriptures that can fit those contexts. Believe me, but you have to read the context. You have to look at the content and you have to discover what is the characteristics of God. What is God saying here in this particular passage? I'm imploring you, please go back to your Bible. Turn off your favorite preachers just for a little while and just let the word of God speak for itself. Find out what the author's in original intention is. Ask yourself, who is he writing to? Or who is she writing to? Or what are the circumstances that are going on? What's happening here? And then ask yourself, does this actually apply to my situation? I said I was going to shut up, but I'm going to give you one more. Because this one is a good friend of mine sharing this with me this week. And we talked about it. And I think it, it's, it's a very... Um, important one um, <laughs> because I feel like the modern Christian has destroyed the power and the intention of the author with this particular um, this particular passage and this passage is Habakkuk Habakkuk um, chapter some of you already know where I'm going <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 2 you already know where I'm going it's one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible Habakkuk chapter 2 I'm reading out of the NSB um, and verse 2 it says then the Lord answered me and said record the vision or write the vision um, inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run oh this has been totally ripped out of its context and the content has been used for whatever a person can think of if i'm getting ready to start a vision if i'm getting ready to start a business write the vision down make it plain inscribe it on tablets Make it plain. Write it on tablets so that those who read it may run with it. If I'm getting ready to get married, write the vision down. Describe it. Write it on tablets so that those who read it can... The context of this verse is Habakkuk, beginning in chapter 1, looking at the situation that was going on in Judah at this particular time and being burdened by it and asking the Lord what's happening here what's happening 
the burden or the oracle the thing that he lifted up to the Lord the thing that he began to speak to the Lord Rebecca began to make his complaint to the Lord and the Lord begins to answer him and he begins to complain some more and the Lord now at the beginning of chapter 2 Rebecca is ready for the Lord to answer him so he says I'm going to climb up to my station or to my post on the rampart and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how he will reply when I am reproved King James says I will be corrected I am reproved how's he going to correct me how's he going to straighten me out and then the Lord answered and said record the vision what vision this is the vision based upon the question that Habakkuk was asking this whole thing that he's been going back and forth in chapter 1 about now he's asking God for an answer and God gives him an answer now this answer is about the plight of a nation this is not about somebody's personal three-year five-year plan you see how that is that pales in comparison to the weight of what Habakkuk is really wrestling with He's looking at Judah and he's looking at all these terrible things are happening and the Chaldeans are coming against them and destroying them and ravishing them. And all these things are happening and he's wondering what's going on. And so now God answers him. Mm -hmm. Now God answers him and he answers him and gives him direction of what to say so that the people understand God's will and God's heart there's nothing to do with even me starting my podcast I remember back then write the vision down make it plain it's not real if you don't write it down oh man I said all of those things and now I go back and I said why did I do that why did I just listen to people how come I didn't go back and read the context because now you feel I feel silly because that's not what it's talking about at all. I challenge you. Go back to every verse that you think you know. Especially your favorites. Read it in context. Let it speak for itself. Let the context determine the meaning. Look for the writer's original intention. Try to understand who they're talking to and the circumstances that brought about what they're saying. And then ask yourself, does this apply to my life? I'm telling you, if you do this, you're going to get powerful revelation out of the word of God. There's going to be a little bit of a letdown because some of the things that you thought were about you are not going to be about you. Some of the things that you are applying to certain situations, they're actually not going to apply to those situations. But you're going to find other passages that actually do speak to it. And then you're going to be more confident that this is what God is saying about my circumstances instead of instead of you just regurgitating what people have said before you i'm going to be quiet and please reach out to me ask your questions let's go over some of the verses that you want to go over i'm i'm ready to help you because i've had to go back 
and relook at some things. And there's some things that, man, when you go back and you look at it in its context, you let it speak for itself. You look at the, the writer's intention, original intention. You look at the circumstances surrounding it, what was going on. You're like, that doesn't say what I thought it said. So let me pray for you. Father, um, I pray first and foremost that as we repent, as we turn from the things that we've been doing wrongly, the things that we've been reading wrongly, the things that we've been misrepresenting you in, I pray, God, that you would affirm the prayer of the Apostle Paul to the Colossians church. That, God, you would fill us with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God, help us to connect to what your word really says so that we can live it out. Lord, we pray that your kingdom comes and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, God, that we would pray things according to your will. We would preach things according to your will. We would prophesy things according to your will. We would intercede according to your will. That we would uh, make decisions according to your will, God. That we would uh, make choices that are based upon your will. Help us today, God to understand your word is the guideline your word is the plumb line your word is the guardrail and prophecy cannot be separated from your purpose we cannot prophesy our own hearts our own desires our prophecy must line up with your purpose your will your plan God, I thank you for those that are listening and I pray that they're getting something out of this. Lord, bless your people, strengthen them and encourage them in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you again for listening. I pray that you got something out of this. Those of you that are supporting us financially, thank you so much. Those of you that are supporting us through prayer, thank you so much. Those of you that reach out to us and encourage us to keep going, thank you so, so very much. Uh, we are honored to serve you. I pray right now that um, that you would just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you.